This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen. This is our preview episode of Foam's match Monday night against Sheffield United. Let's see if it actually happens, Max. I hate to even say that, but we do have to preface if the match happens because obviously many matches have been canceled because of uh, COVID. And we're going to talk a little bit about that to start off. Before I do that, Max, Welcome back to the show. I look forward to doing this with you. Thanks, Ross. It's great to be back on. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we have a football match to talk about Monday, uh, not just another cancellation. I hope we do, my friend. I hope we do. And listen, just so you know, we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on leading up to the match. We'll also be going over the some of the protocols that the club wants the fans to know about. We'll be sharing a little screenshot of that for you. And uh, just talking a little bit about that, I I was actually asked by a member of the Foam Supporters Trust to talk about that. I definitely want to mention that because I want the fans to be prepared for their trip to Craven Cottage. But let's start here, Max. You and I were talking about this before we started the show. I think this is a topic we should be talking about. I'm going to share this with you. This is actually from ITV. So courtesy of ITV, Max, let's just talk a little bit about this. How many players who play in the English leagues are vaccinated? Here is the data. Again, we got this from ITV. The latest vaccination data collected for November has shown that 75% of players across English football league are either fully vaccinated, have had a single jab, or intend to be vaccinated. Double vaccinated players total 59%. 16% are set are set to get the jab, while 25% of players currently do not intend to get a vaccine, according to the EFL which comprises the championship league one and league two. All right, Max, let's talk a little bit about this because I think this is having an effect on what has been going on lately. 
I'll just mention myself. Listen, for me, this is just me. I've, I'm fully vaccinated. I've also had COVID. And, uh, you know, again, but we want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the league. I, I just, you know, in case anyone's wondering what was going on with me, I'm just sharing that information. Uh, anyone else, you know, it's, it's everyone's choice. That's the way I look at it. But I'm just sharing mine because I want people to know where I'm coming from on this. Max, over to you. Thoughts on what I just shared uh, going on in the EFL and the championship? 25% of players do not intend to get vaccinated. Your thoughts? It's shocking. And it's also a disgrace for people who should be role models in society that they're choosing to take an anti-science anti-safety measure and at the end of the day if you want football to continue if you want to play if you want to do your job properly it's inexcusable to me to not be vaccinated in december 2021 especially with the omicron variant raging now let's be clear getting a vaccine does not protect you against getting covid you can still get but what it does do is protect you from serious illness it protects you from passing on to someone who's more vulnerable and at the end of the day in many instances, it can protect from getting the infection. Now, with the new variant, that's less true. But right. to be to have one quarter of EFL players not intend to get get the vaccine, it's it's a it's a sad reality. When we're seeing these outbreaks in these teams, yes, even if everyone is vaccinated, there might still be an outbreak. But the fact sure. of the matter is, the more people are unvaccinated, the higher the chance of having football called off. The higher the chance of saying, "Listen, we can't play the match," and no one wants that. Fans don't want that. The players themselves surely don't want their job to be postponed, but their actions are causing that to a large extent. Now, I can't speak for Fulham. I'm not sure how what percent of Fulham is vaccinated. We I don't know. 100%. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is there's no reason it shouldn't be 100%. This is a deadly virus. It's inflicted so much pain on the entirety of the world. I think the UK and the US, you know, two countries we're very close to, yep. have had it almost the worst in, in terms of deaths and cases and hospitalizations. Um. So to be at the stage of the pandemic, right, Russ, it's been yep. a long time, a lot of pain, a lot of lockdowns, a lot of death, to still have a quarter of footballers. And let's be clear, these are highly paid individuals who are, very, who are in many instances insulated Max, from the worst 25% of society. is a huge amount. That number shocks disgrace. me. It's a disgrace. Um, and when you see matches being called off, in many instances, you have the players to blame. English society as a whole, I think the numbers are around the high 80s in terms of fully vaccinated. Um I don't know what, what makes footballers special or maybe less intelligent, but their decisions, I think, are harming the, the general populace. Because we talked about this last winter, you know, when there's that large yeah. break from football, from, you know, what, what be it, it was March until the summer, you know, June, July. It was hard on a lot of people. A lot of people were suffering with death and wanted something to turn to in terms of sport. The Bundesliga just didn't cut it for many people, but sport is something which can help society. And if we're forced to cancel matches because of the players themselves, it's a, it's a sad situation. It is, Max. And like I said, I'm just prefacing the beginning that these are the views of me and Max. And But again, we're entitled to our opinions. And uh, I'm glad that we talked about this before the show, that we wanted to talk about it. It was actually recommended by a friend. Hey, you guys should talk about this. And when you see the numbers, Max, they're high. I mean, they are very high. And I just want to share this comment here. This is a shocking percentage. The Premier League is just as bad with their numbers, and uh, I was not aware of that. Let's see. This is what Val had to say. I agree. I think everyone should have it regardless. I had COVID last Christmas in a hospital for eight weeks. My friend died. You know, again, these are the stories we keep hearing over and over again. And, Max, I'm glad that you already said this. 
getting the vaccine does not mean you're not going to get COVID. It doesn't mean that, but it lessens the chance of basically fatalities. And, and also it could lessen the chance that maybe, maybe your symptoms won't be as what they would be if you were, you know, not vaccinated. So again, it's there to protect you. But like I said, these are my views, these are your views. Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, our views, but this is the view of science for us. This is the view of, you know, every right. reasonable individual. I know. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to be fair. No, I know, but there's, there's no need to be fair when when the facts are, are on the side of, you know, rationality. Um, okay. And it, it's, okay. It's well, sad. that's on our side, Max. And no, right. The science is on our side. It, it's definitely uh, well, yeah. on our side. And the reason I think it's important to note that, listen, it's not like 100% protection is because you will have people who say, well, right. you know, how are, how, is the vac- how is the COVID still spreading with the vaccine? No one's saying that it's going to protect you 100%. The point is right. it lessens hospitalizations. It lessens deaths. And the big thing here is the majority of fo- footballers are not going to die from COVID and they're not going to be hospitalized. They're likely fine because they're 20s, 30s, healthy individuals. Right. It's their, it's their great aunt. It's their grandmom. You know, it's a neighbor down the street. It's someone you bump into at the pub who might be immunocompromised, who might be older, who might have a pre-existing condition, diabetes, you know, overweight. It's the people you could pass it on to that really is a risk. And people said this, uh, Ross said this in the comments, get yourself vaccinated for the greater good. You know, it's, it's just, it's selfish, quite honestly, to be like, I'm healthy. I don't need to get it. So right. it's, it's, it's a real shame that footballers, again, people, highly paid individuals, blessed with talent, playing a game for a living. They, they can't be bothered at the vaccine. Again, only 59% are fully vaccinated in, in the EFL. You know, it says another 16% intend to get it. Yep. Don't know what they're waiting for, but good on them for deciding to get it. We shouldn't be, you know, criticizing that. But no, twenty five percent fully, and right. and, I, and these are the clubs as well, Russ. I'm not sure the breakdown League One, League Two, but at the lower divisions, they need the match day revenue so much more than we do. They need the oh, tickets. Of course. They need people in the stadiums. It's only harming their own bottom line and their own livelihoods. It doesn't make any sense to me. I listen. I agree with you, Max, and I'll just share my own personal story because again, I'm glad that you talked about this because it's not as much. You know, and again, for me, you know, I'm a little older, I'm 55, and you're younger, and, and footballers are, are in great shape. It's the grandparents, the aunts, my mother. You know, I just recently saw my mother, Max, and uh, she's going to be 80 years old. And there's a reason why I've been staying away from seniors because, again, I wanted to make sure that I was fully vaccinated and that um, there was very little risk for me transmitting it to her and i lessen that risk by being fully vaccinated so that's why again it's not just about us it's about the others that we can affect so i'm glad that you know and again it's a difficult subject for us to talk about and max and i were talking about this off air and uh, we both agreed that you know what we should talk about this especially when you see the numbers the numbers are very high but max let's move on from talking about this and take it to the match on monday which we hope it's going to happen and um, I'm going to share some information from the club. This actually comes from the Foam Twitter account. So Max and I are, are going to just uh, shuffle over a little bit so everyone can see. Okay, so we're going to move over here so you can still see us as we're like trying to figure out how people can see. Here we go. Okay. So I just wanted to share this with everyone because, you know, again, you have to bring your COVID pass and uh, or have a negative lateral float test results and then you also have to wear a mask you have to arrive early in the turnstiles i believe it's around 5 15 and if you please do not attend if you are having any symptoms so again 
I got this from the uh, Foam Twitter account, uh, c- courtesy of the Foam Twitter account. Actually, Chris Davidson had it up on his site, so I actually took it from there. But, Max, thoughts on this? And, and again, uh, a member of the uh, Foam Supporters Trust asked me if we could talk about this because I wanted the fans to be as protected as they could if they do decide to go, and I hope they do. But, you know, they they just need to know all the facts. And please go to the Foam website because, again, there's a lot more information. If you have any questions about what is uh, needed at Craven Cottage, please go to the Foam website. All the information is there. Max, your thoughts? Yeah, it's good to see the club taking precautions. You know, theoretically, those things will pre- prevent transmission. If you have your vaccine, if you test a negative, those two things, and you're wearing a face covering, you should be okay, you know? With the Omicron variant raging, it's definitely more contagious, and it's good to see the club calling for face coverings at ma- at matches. Yep, I haven't seen a bunch of that when I've been watching. Um, so in the U.S., you don't really have that um, no. unless it's indoors. But you know, football is a match, and there's a lot of shouting. We all know that. You know, full supporters not the loudest uh-huh. sometimes. We're still chanting, still shouting. Uh, yep. You want to be protected. Yeah. And th- the bottom line is, even if you're going to the match and you said, "Oh, this sounds like such an onerous regulation. It sounds like a lot to do." it's still vastly preferable to matches behind closed doors, which is what we endured for so many months right. you know, in the past season. If you take these precautions, that should be seen as the green light to continue going, you know, instead of being forced to watch sterile atmospheres uh, pumped in crowd noise like we were forced to do for so long. So, listen, I'm glad the club's pushing out that information. Thank you, yeah. Russ, as well, for, you know, showing it to the fans so they'll be prepared. A big thing also, you know, arrive. They're saying to arrive almost two and a half, two hours and a half before the match right. starts. That's probably good, a, a good thing to do because there'll be massive lines with these increased checks. Absolutely. All in all, I hope it's not a situation like Brentford in 2020 when the virus is raging. I remember ours was, I think, the Friday afternoon match. One of the oh, first. Oh, I remember this like it was yesterday, um, Max. Yeah, I right now we're on the Monday, so we're a little bit later on in in, in the football week. But yeah. hopefully, uh, everything stays on because it would be a shame to stop the season now given okay. how close the race is. I mean, so few points separate us from, you know, third, fourth. Uh, we need a win, uh, and hopefully we can talk about the match. Okay, excellent stuff, Max. And we're also going to talk about, because one of the things that we don't know, and uh, the last interview from Marco Silva, you know, he didn't mention any issues with COVID with, with the club. But again, that was a few days ago. So I'm just... This is just my thoughts, and we'll talk about it when we really get into previewing the match. Uh, you know, we'll see who's available, you know, because, again, at this point, I don't think we're going to know until an hour before the match if Fulham have been affected by COVID or not, which is interesting because, again, that's a that's another part of this. Fulham have not mentioned any players, Max, publicly who have had COVID-19. I think the only one – I think they did it with – with Mitro. I think Mitro is really the only one I can think of, right? So they have not mentioned it for like uh, you know, for the medical protections. And I and I understand all that. I definitely understand that, but I'm just telling everyone that we're just gonna have to wait uh, probably until an hour before kickoff to know exactly who the team is. And if you've watched the matches over the weekend, you know, you look at Leeds United and you look at some of these other clubs. I'm just saying, don't be shocked at the starting 11. Just don't be shocked. I'm just saying, we don't know. I, I just have my, you know, antenna up 
just thinking, okay, we're going to have to wait until an hour before the match. And we'll talk about that in a bit, my friend. But listen, before we really get into talking about Sheffield United, we've got to talk about what's been going on this weekend. And some of the matches have been going on, some of them haven't. But I do definitely want to talk about where Fulham are in the league right now. So I'm going to share a league table, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, okay? So here's a league table. So right now, Fulham have a two-point lead over Bournemouth, but you'll notice a team is running up the table, and that's Blackburn Rovers, a team we beat 7-0, Max. And then I watched West Brom get just a just a boring, boring draw against Barnsley. I don't know if you happen to watch that. Yeah, but, it was very misty towards the end. I caught, I caught the end. I could barely see the okay, action. Yeah, it was probably for the best. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and just so you know, I I actually took a screenshot from my phone to give us the table, but I wanted everyone to see the table. And I'm adding some elements to the show, some pictures and everything. So uh, I'm new to this. So if it's not perfect, uh, just bear with me, and it'll just be another Goldman for the show. But Max, what are your thoughts about how the table looks right now going into Monday night? Fulham still have a lead, but what's interesting, and we haven't even really mentioned Bournemouth, Bournemouth lose to Middlesbrough. That opens up this opportunity to extend this lead from Bournemouth to, you know, five points. That would be massive right now going out of Christmas, Max. That would be huge. So thoughts about how the table looks as we go into Monday night. You're right. It's an opportunity I think we must take given how frustrating it's been the past couple of matches when Bournemouth has slipped up, we haven't capitalized on it. You know, it's clear Bournemouth not can be a very strong challenger to us given the recent results on a poor run of form. I don't expect that to continue. I think they'll continue picking up wins as the season goes on, but we the simple matter is we can't keep drawing matches. <clears throat> right. And <clears throat> as you mentioned, you know, Bournemouth are in second. We've seen them as our challenger for the past couple of months. But it's Blackburn Rovers who are making the strongest challenge, I think, for the top two right now. Yep. Looks like us, Bournemouth, and West Brom don't really want to win matches at the moment. And Blackburn <laughs> is saying, you know, thank you very much. We'll just keeping up, picking up three points. So home against Sheffield United, a team who's done excellently against teams in the bottom half of the table, yep. but have not won much at all against teams right. in the top half. This theoretically should be a great opportunity to get three points. But with all that's going on in terms of COVID, in terms of our four draws in a row – we can't take this match lightly, uh, no. even given Sheffield United's record and, and the upheaval they've had. Um, I'm really fascinated to see the match because I think four draws in a row really is going to weigh the mentality of this Fulham side. An right. early goal might help, but fascinated to see how Silva gets a squad prepared for this. So am I, my friend. And we're going to break that down in just a bit. But before we do, let's talk about a few elements dealing with Sheffield United. Let's start off here because... You know how big of a fan I am of Slavisa, okay? I'm a huge Slavisa fan. And we've talked a little bit about this on the show, but now that we're playing Sheffield United, and they are getting that new manager bounce with Paul Heckenbottom. Full credit to them, and Heckenbottom had been with them before, so he's doing a very nice job. But I want to talk a little bit about Slavisa, and this picture is courtesy of The Athletic. So, Max, I want to get your thoughts. Were you surprised that they let him go. And I keep going back to this. He did not get enough time. And if I remember correctly, maybe you can correct me. His first transfer window, weren't we under an embargo? Because I've heard the argument that Fulham had all this money to spend under Savisa. That's not 100% true, Max. What are your thoughts about Savisa getting sacked by Sheffield United? 
you know, from a personal standpoint, I, I very fond of Lisa. I thought it was sad to see how things turned out for him at Bramall Lane. I think it's clear that he wasn't given enough time in, in modern football, you know, but that's how it is. If you have a string of poor results, if you come in with the expectation of being a side who's going to challenge for promotion, they just got relegated from the Premier League along with us. And they were battling relegation and we were at the top of the table. You can see why they pulled the plug on him. You know, the championship is a very harsh league. Managers get sacked left and right. And I think they expected so much more of him than they got. That being said, they didn't have the patience, you know. We no, they know didn't have the patience and they should have known his track record. They should have known that going yet. in. That's the thing. Yeah, if, if you appoint someone like Slavisa, you have to do your homework and know that he doesn't start seasons, particularly the first season he's with a club, particularly strongly. There's always been that slow start. But what you're betting on is a second half of the season revival. And it happened for us in 16-17. It happened for us in 17-18. You know, the playoff season and then the promotion season. Very similar um, in terms of how radically different the second half of the season was from the right. first. They should have known that. Um, clear, maybe they did know that. Maybe they just didn't have the patience. Whatever the reason, it was sad to see him sacked, essentially, before Christmas, before he really had a chance to put his imprint on the squad. That being said, I think the results were very poor. And he would not have been pleased with how his teams performed. It was, at times, laughable how they were performing. It wasn't just an underperformance. They were battling in, in, in the bottom four, bottom six of that, of that league, yep. which the quality of that team shouldn't be there. So a lot of factors. I think it's both true that they fired him too soon, but – it wasn't a Salisa that we necessarily expected. We didn't expect him to be that bad. Okay. I understand that. My counter to that, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Paul Heckenbottom because they've actually really rebounded, as I said, under him. But I'll go back and, I, and I'll use a comparison from Fulham when they brought in uh, Claudio Ranieri. Now, Claudio Ranieri comes in and everyone is, you know, again, at the time thinking, okay, you're going to get a little bit of bounce because of Ranieri's background. But the problem was, and similar to this one with Sheffield United, and I think also why they can now continue well under a heck and bottom, is that the players that were there for Ranieri were not built to play the way he wanted to play. Instead of building around how Fulham played, meaning that how the player's skill set, Ranieri said, no, you're playing my way. And it didn't work. Now, you, you switch that to Savisa. He has all these players that have played under Wilder that were not built to play underneath him. That's why I don't think this is fair to do what they did. Or don't bring him in at all, Max. That's my whole thing on Savisa. And that's going to lead us now to talk a little bit about Paul Heckenbottom because, again, I think this is, again, a good move for Sheffield United. If they're going to make a change to someone that they know, someone – that is comfortable with them. So they make the move. And what are your thoughts on how their team has played under Heckenbottom? Well, let's look at the facts, Russ. They've won the last three. More wins than we have. <laughs> and we, we've drawn the last four. They're one of the form teams in the division now. So just based on that, it looks like performances have rebounded. Three on the balance. That's a great tally for anyone, regardless of where they are on the table. If you look at Sheffield United – they're really just you know six or so points outside of the playoff places. That's how right. congested the championship is. So I can't say I know exactly the the one reason why they've you know transformed their fortunes. I think a big part of it probably is that new manager balance. But it just seems yep. that we are playing a team in form. We have to remember that they did have a poor start to the season, but they've won three on the bounce. And we have to be prepared. We can't underestimate them. 
Totally agree, Max. And that's going to lead us to really talk a little bit about Sheffield United. And if you look at them and you look at the players that you had, you already mentioned this. There's quality there. There is actual quality there that never went away. Did it work a while in the Premier League? Yes, it didn't work last season. And I think the players were not the right fit for Savisa. So that, I think, showed itself out. So now you're under Heckenbottom. But you have players that have proven track records, Max. You're talking about David McGoldrick, Billy Sharp, Connor Horahan, okay? And then someone that we know well, Ollie Norwood. These are quality players. And now it looks like they've gone back to three at the back. And at times, Fulham have struggled against a formation with three at the back. So this is going to be a tough test. And I just want to preface this by saying I have a lot of respect for Sheffield United and uh, big shout out to a really good video podcast called uh, Chef United Way. I would highly recommend going and checking them out. And they do an excellent job. But this is a team to respect. But I also think it's a team Fulham can beat, Max, and should beat at home, okay? They do have quality players. But if Fulham are playing at their potential, they should win this game by at least a goal or two. That's the way I'm looking at it. Nothing against Sheffield United. Fulham are at home. When Fulham are on, I don't think there's a team that can beat them. I'd agree with that. I'd agree that has to be our mentality, given we're top of the league, given the quality we have on our side. We should look to beat them. The key thing for me is how do we respond to the start of this match? How do we respond to possible adversity? You know, we've, we've actually scored an early goal in recent matches. Yeah, the two I'm thinking of, Preston and Luton. For a lot of times, when we're not playing poorly, we say, oh, we have to score early on. It's so crucial. <laughs> what we actually have done in, the, in those matches I referenced is how we've responded after the goal that's let us down. Right. So I hope we score early again at the Cottage on Monday. But again, it's what happens after we score. Do we ease off the gas or do we play like we know Marco Silva can set up his sides to play, which is you pour on. You look for the second right away. You look for the third. You don't just sit back and allow the other team to press you. I actually do think Sheffield United will start out very strong. Again, three wins in a row. They have nothing to lose. They feel like confidence. They we're be- beatable, perhaps. Yeah. We're on a little bit of a blip. I think we have to weather that first 10 minutes, honestly. I can okay. see the fullbacks coming down the wings, whipping and crosses, giving us some problems. We have to be up for that. We have to be up for that first you know, 10 to 15-minute battle, and then hopefully we can possess, we can play our football, pin them in, and get some goals. But another player, let me uh, point out, Morgan Gibbs-White, all known from Wolves. He's been excellent for Sheffield United. He's something we have to keep an eye on in the middle. Absolutely. Of the I'm glad that you mentioned him. He was one player that I was thinking about. But <laughs> look at the brain on Max. Max, uh, <laughs> that was excellent, Max. I'm glad that you mentioned it. But again, when you look at it, you know, it's funny. I, I went and I really looked at them this morning because I wanted to do a refresher for myself. And you look at this team and you're thinking, why are they where they are? And we've already talked a little bit about what's been going on with them. But they have the quality to be in the top six and, top six and I would even say to be contending for the top two if it was from the beginning of the season if their form was better but they have that type of talent so it's a team that you should respect players you should respect a manager you should also respect so again it's not going to be easy but I keep going back to this and I can't get away from this Max Fulham still should get all three points there's really no excuse because they're at home they're going to have the fans with them and they should have a little chip on their shoulder because of the four draws. They shouldn't press. They should just say, we've done this before. It's time to get back to winning ways. So they should be 
on the front foot. But to your point, Max, and I agree with you on this, I think a major key to this match is going to be the opening stages. If Fulham get an early goal, and also whether any kind of storm from Sheffield United, I think they're going to be in good shape to control the match. But they need to get control. And let's be honest, Fulham are best when they're playing from ahead. Yes, they're front runners, but you know what? It's a strength of theirs. The thing is, after they score that first goal, and you you talked about two games, right? Two games that they failed to get that second came back to bite them. That was Preston North End and Luton Town. So they need to learn from their lessons of the past. If you get that goal, because they've been so good about this, they need to follow that up shortly with that second goal. Because if they don't, they leave themselves open to what has happened in those two matches. Okay. Anything else you want to add about players to watch, Max, before we move on? No, I think I think we covered it all. And I, I think your analysis about that is spot on about the type of team Fulham is. We have to play from the front. Yeah. And we're best when we're They're front runners. Let's call who they are. They're front yeah. runners. It's okay. You accept who they are. That's who they are. They're front runners. It could be worse. It's hoping it could be a lot worse. They're front runners. They're good from ahead. And again, we've seen it not not so much from behind, but you know what? Let's get the early lead. And let's uh, let's take it to Sheffield United. Okay, coming up next, Max and I are going to break down this match and we'll finish up with our predictions for the match. Okay, Max. Now, here's the caveat to this. This is based on Fulham having, I guess you could say, uh, a full squad. So let's go with the idea that they do, okay? Who are your key players for Fulham? I think Carvalho is key for me. Okay, excellent. He's someone who we saw in the first three or four matches of the season. We said, Russ, could be one of the best players in the division. Oh, I, I agree. Remember, I still uh, yeah, agree with yeah. that. Against Millwall, against Hull. I mean, he was excellent, incisive, just running the show. Yeah. And we saw, and then he got injured. And then the contract talks went on. And then he came back off the bench a bit. And it hasn't quite kicked off for him in the last month or so. I think we saw glimpses of that. Um Against Barnsley, it was, right? Uh, yep. The other in, in late November, if I'm remembering correctly, he got a nice goal, had a good combinations. We saw that dribbling, incisive player we know there could be. But when the matches have been tough, I haven't seen Carvalho step up. So I'd like him to get the start. I'd like him to get a goal, to back himself, to take players on, to play that through ball. You know, we're missing a bit of the spark. Yes. In the matches when we've been drawing, we've been crying out for a bit of inspiration, a bit of quality. And Let's be clear, this team has tons of quality in attacking spaces, but he just hasn't really produced that. Okay. Again, it's not on his fault. Other players haven't stepped up either, but I want to see more from Carvalho. So he, for me, he's a key player. This is okay. a match. I don't think we're going to be defending a whole bunch. We're going to be attacking. We need someone to pick apart defenses. That's Carvalho. Okay. And I'm glad that you started there because I want to focus, as we're talking about key players, right central. Because I think this is to the key of Fulham's future of the rest of the season, Max, to get that three right, okay? We're talking about who are going to be your three, and I think you might see a lot of mixing and matching throughout the season, but I think part of the problem sometimes we're seeing is when they don't have Harrison Reed, I think that causes some issues. We saw that in the last match because they don't have that bite in the middle, and I think that hurts them at times because you're not going to get that from Sarri. You're not going to get that from Tom Kearney. So say you go with Sarri, Tom Kearney, and Bobby Decadover Reed or Carvalho, like you're saying, you leave yourself susceptible to 
problems in central midfield, especially like we saw that against Lutentown. Because again, if you have a team that is just going to basically just push it up and and have pace, you are really going to be in trouble if you do not have someone that can basically be that, you know, defender, you know, someone that can defend that back four. And I think at times, Max, they miss that. But here's the thing. I don't know if you miss it as much against certain opponents. I think it might be against, like I said, your Luton Towns, teams like that where you really need that defensive midfielder. I don't know if you need it every single match. What are your thoughts about what I'm bringing up? Because when we talk about key players, I'm looking right in central midfield. Yeah, I think spot on in terms of the issues we had against Luton and the issues we've had at length this season when we yeah. haven't played well is we've been overrun in the middle of the park. Exactly. I think perhaps a, a, a bigger point is we're kind of missing that Kevin McDonald type player. There you go, man. Yeah. You nailed it. See, yeah. see, this is why I have to have Max on the show. <laughs> One of my favorite all-time phone players. Who is the Kevin McDonald out there? There is no Kevin McDonald. There isn't. And and again, not saying we need Kevin McDonald himself. His no. time has passed. We love him. We're talking about um, in the mold yeah. of Kevin McDonald. Because we're listing these players, and, and the person who fits that mold the most, I'd say, out of who we mentioned, is Reed in terms yes. of his mentality. But it's clear that Reed is not the physical presence that Kevin McDonald could be. Now, let's remember, we have Shalaba on the side. I haven't said his name see, perhaps two months. I want to see if he could be that player. We thought he could, and he's just been unlucky with the form, yep. injuries. I still think he's out injured, if I'm not mistaken, but he hasn't gotten a sniff. Again, Anima, really more of an attacking player, not not that person. And then you look at the rest of the options, and there's no one else who can fit that mold at all, in my opinion. So okay. we need someone who can sit. We need someone who can battle, but also pass. So for me, it's Harrison Reed. It has to step up and take that role. But in a lot of times when he's been missing, you take Reed out of the equation and you have the issues you talked about against yep. Luton. Because Jean-Michel Sarri is not, is not that guy. He's not. No, he's not um, that you guy. Know, I have my issues with him. I think he's a, he's a very talented player and he has moments of brilliance. But you stick him in a championship midfield in the way match, you know, at Kenilworth Road, you're not, you're not really going to get the best results that you're hoping for. You know? No, and I agree with that. And I'll throw in another player. And, and again, I'm talking about as a player – Going back, and you'll appreciate this player once I say Dixon Atuhu, okay? For, you know, again. I love him. You, I, love, I, look I at miss Danny Dixon Murphy. What was yeah. that? I miss Dixon Atuhu. Massively. When you look at how good Danny Murphy was for Fulham, you forget who was next to him, and that was Dixon Atuhu. And the role that he played in allowing Murphy to do what he had to do. So they're all linked, Max. And when you look at it, like I said, I think you can get away with it against certain opponents. But against others, I think you need a Chalaba, or we keep going back to this. I just said a Tuhu, a McDonald. And if you don't have one, if you don't feel that you don't have that player, get one in the January transfer window. I think Chalaba might be that player, but again, he's been injured. Anyways, let's go back, and I'm going to share some comments because we're talking about key players. Let's see, Ross Nuttall says Fabio and Harrison to start. Let's see, Wayne Wallace says Harry Wilson is the player for me and Mitro. And Steve Murray says, Reed and Surrey with Kearney backup. Okay. Interesting stuff. Okay. All right, Max, let's move on. And let's talk about this. How does Fulham win this match? I think you kind of already said it, but let's just talk about it in a little bit more detail. Yeah, I think what's key is we weather the early storm. We know that, again, the Blades are on form 
and they'll come at us firing. I think they've seen that we can be bothered. You know, we're top of the league, Russ, and we know that, but I don't think teams are that scared of us, per se. No. Given the past four matches. And I, I think that's just a reality, not, not like a value judgment. Teams no. see that we, we can be breached. So we have to stay solid early on. And then I think get Carvalho in the match. Again, another person uh, who Wayne mentioned, Harry Wilson. Yes. He needs to step up more for me. He needs to offer more. He needs to run up players. He can't go missing. Same with Cabano. Cabano's been doing well, but more end product. Let's get the wingers in the match. And more importantly, let's get Alexander Mitrovic a bit more involved than he has been in the past three, four matches. He yep. scores goals. And again, best goal scorer in the division. Love him. But he was marked out of the match at Luton. You could say the same for Preston. He's been getting crucial goals, but we've seen him drop back more and play more build to play this season. And that's been a bit missing the past couple weeks. So let's get Mitro involved. Let's get the attack flowing like we know it can. And, and the rest should come easily from there. Again, we're top of the league. It's not a crisis, yep. uh, but just go back to what we were doing earlier, just even a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Excellent stuff, Max. I'm glad you brought up Mitro because that actually is a great segue for me because I want to get your thoughts. I actually did a, a quick video where I talked about Mitro. I'm not a fan of his antics, man. I'm just not a fan. So <laughs> again, uh, there's a picture of Mitro. This is courtesy of the 72. So I want to get your thoughts on Mitro and how do you feel about his antics? Because I don't like his antics at all, Max. You know, do we criticize him enough? Because again, we give him all the praise, but he dives a lot. And I don't like the way he just presents himself at times. He is a team player, but I think he skates a lot because of, the fact that he scores so many goals. Am I wrong to ask this question? I think it's funny. Um, he, he does have a ton of antics. You're 100% right. And it can be frustrating when it detracts from his performance on the pitch. The thing I think about is last week against Luton is I just felt the center backs got in his head and he couldn't let that go. Yeah. And I'm not sure if this is related to him playing poorly the rest of the match, but he did. So I don't know if he was too preoccupied with, you know, getting his jabs in, you know, falling, complaining to the ref. But that really detracted from his performance. Now, Mitro is someone, that's part, that's part of the job. You know, you yep. get his great goals. You also get his antics. You can't separate the two. The ideal situation is a Mitrovic who's scoring goals and also is having a bit of fun, poking the opponents, you know, working the ref. That's the ideal situation. But when the antics are there and the performance isn't there, that's when it's worrying. I don't think it's a crisis mode yet. You know, it's not like he's being sent off uh, right. this season. Um, but do you get playing. why I'm bringing this up? I get it. I get it. And, and again, there is diving. There is just throwing himself to the ground. There's a lot of just yelling at the ref just insanely when it's clear that it wasn't a corner or no, the player did get there first. You sometimes think, oh, boy, Mitrovic again. But that's, that's Mitro. Again, that's okay. just him being him, and we have to accept it. I think he's criticized a fair amount. And I think it's the right amount. I don't think. Okay. Again, let's let's again go back to the facts. He scored 22 goals this season. And See, but you're going back to that, right? Right. Exactly. Because you can't. I mean, it, it, again, Russ, if he was on three goals like it was last season, yeah. 100% criticize him. Say he needs to get his head right. But that's but why I think remember, he gets a little bit of a best pass. Goal score in England. But that's why I think yeah. he gets the pass. And he and he deserves it. He deserves it. <laughs> and I will, I will say one thing. And I was thinking about it just as we're talking about it. Why am I criticizing Mitro? Because Mitro is a little bit of a hothead, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I played like Mitro. I said, it's because it's like me. And uh, Oh, I, well, I, I didn't know that, Russ. Oh, my Lord. I'm just like hothead? Mitro. I'm okay. just like Mitro. Yep. I, 
I played just like Mitro. I used to complain to the refs all the time. I did the exact same thing, and it just dawned on me. I'm a hypocrite because I do the same exact thing. But you know what? I, I do think, in all honesty, that it's fair to bring up. And I've just been wondering why we give him a pass, but you just brought up the reason, man, and I've already said it. It's because he scores the goals. But I, I, I get that. All right. We do have to finish up shortly, my friend. Let's go to your starting 11, and let's go with the idea, as I said earlier, that we're going to have all players available, hopefully all players available. So what would be your starting 11? It's a good question. I think the one thing I'm wondering is who's going to play left back, but I'll start out with Rodak and goal, Tete right back, you know, Tosin Ream, central defense. I think I'll go Anthony Robinson. Um, I okay. know it's, it's a real toss-up for me right now. I don't think either players are playing that well, but I'll just go Anthony because the added pace he brings. We'll do Seri and Reed, and then in front of them, Carvalho, uh, Caban on the left, Wilson right, and Mitrich up top. That, to me, is the strongest 11. But again, we can have debates about yep. who plays on left back. We can also have a debate about that midfield three if Kearney deserves to play. But that's right. that's who I think should play. Okay. I want to share some more comments going back to Mitro because they're interesting. This is from Ross. Not a lot of arm waving for Mitro needs to knuckle down. This is from Marcus. Mitro is annoying with his antics at times, but he's definitely got better. He was a swear word at the rough away from a red card almost every game at Newcastle. So he has grown up somewhat. Marcus, that's actually a very good point by you for bringing that up. This is from Stephen Murray. If Mitro was to calm down, it may take away from his all-over game. Now, I've heard that too, Max. What are your thoughts on that? It's true. I mean, he plays angry. He plays like he's possessed. And in some instances, when he's going for a header and there are three guys around him and he wins it, that's when you love it. But when it's off the ball and he's just, you know, yelled an unthinkable thing at the ref because he's not giving him the call, that's a negative. But, yeah, Stephen's right. Marcus is also 100% right. Let's remember he's matured. Okay. we attribute the, the, the maturing to Slavisa at times. Yeah. Uh, but what's impressive is he doesn't need Slavisa there for him to still be mature, right? No. That's, that's what I like is that, you know, for a time it was okay. He's got a fellow Serbian at the club who put his arm around him, can speak his language, can calm him down. But even with successive managers, he still seems like he's progressing away from the hothead he was at Newcastle. So it's a good point. It's a fair point because, again, he's not that player anymore. But he still has it in him. But like I said, it kind of reminds me of me, which makes me uh, not feel good about myself. But that's okay. That's for, for another day. All right, my friend. It's time for your prediction. If you're watching live, feel free to share your predictions because I want the foam supporters predictions. So, Max, to you, what is your prediction? I see 2-0. I think oh. this game just screams 2-0. Um, we'll get a goal, I think, towards the end of the first half. And then get a goal in the middle of the second half. And it will be... I think a clean performance, a professional performance, nothing too amazing, um, but getting the job done. Okay. Very good. All right. I'm going to go with my standard because you know, I don't like to win two to one or anything like that. I'm glad you went two nil. I'm going three to one to Fulham. I I think that we're going to break that issue that they're having scoring goals. And I think there's going to be a breakthrough game and Max, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say it right now after I criticize him. Mitro gets a hat trick. I'm going with a Mitro hat trick. Monday night, Mitro hat trick. Hey. Shut me up. That's right, Mitro. Love shut it. me up. Mitro hat trick. Okay. <laughs> That's great. All Fantastic. Right. All right. All right. One final thing before we do wrap this up. I just want to share this picture one more time. Max, you can slide over for just a second. And again, I'm not going to read it, but 
I was asked by a member of the Foam Supporters Trust to uh, mention this for supporters going to the match tomorrow. And again, this is from the official Foam Twitter account, so I'm just going to share this. This is just what what to be uh, looking for for tomorrow night. Just be match day ready. And um, that's going to do it on that, my friend. All right. Any final thoughts before we go? I think we start out the show talking about some serious subjects, COVID vaccines. I think those are important. And let's just, I'm just going to bring it back full circle to say, I really hope this match gets played. Okay. Um, But that being said, we got a lot of really good football to look forward to. I hope the festive fixtures are in place um, because that to me is one of the best part of the football and calendar is the festive fixtures. And it would be a shame if they were reduced this year. So let's just all hope people stay safe. No, the virus doesn't run its course in football and we can enjoy some good holiday fixtures. Okay. And uh, my friend, Steve Reynolds, I'm just going to tell you to shut up with this comment, but okay. Don't call me Waldorf and, and Max Stadler. Don't, Again, anyone that knows the Muppets, that's what he's talking about. Basically at our perch, you know, complaining about everything. We're not doing that. So don't give me that, Steve. I love you, Steve. I'm just kidding with you. Okay. All right. Well, listen, again, any, everyone that goes to the match, just be safe. Just follow the protocols. Have a great time. And hopefully you're going to see a full victory. I hope you see a full victory. That's going to wrap up for this show. For my good friend, Max Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.